welcome to the Wellspring Podcast. Uh, my name is Scott Smith, and I have the privilege of, of working uh, here at the church, being on staff here at church. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about what does the Bible say about marriage? And I'm joined with... Phil Marins, the worship minister. And uh, Tyler Davison, student pastor. James Gonzalez, associate pastor. So marriage, uh, something we talk about, at least with some regularity here at church, um, and something that, that most people uh, think about on some level. Our, our culture talks about it, so uh, we're going we're gonna to look and see, well, what does the Bible say about it? So first, first question I, I, I think uh, kind of gives us a place to start is how would you define marriage? Tyler, how would you, if you had to give it a, a definition from a, a biblical perspective, um, how, would you, how would you define it? Holy smokes, why did you guys start with me? The guy's been married for the least amount of time of anybody here. <laughs> that means you've, you've reviewed guy. this most yeah, recently. Most recently. Uh-huh. Yeah, I yeah. forgot what I was all about, really. Yeah. So. Um, man, that, that becomes a really complicated issue because of, all, of the topics that we've discussed, this may be more so than any of the ones that we've done. Um, the Bible actually really says a lot Mm-hmm. about marriage. Yeah, it does. Um, the difficult thing with coming to a definition um, or, or a, you know, a biblical statement, thesis, if you will, on marriage is that uh, there's a lot of interpretation that has to happen whenever you're, whenever you're reading uh, some of these relevant texts. Really, the most relevant text, um, in my opinion, is Genesis 1 through 3. Um, where God establishes marriage, and we see uh-huh. a lot of different important um, details about what marriage is for, the way it's defined. So, uh, it's I know a, you're not going to give a, a, you can't, there's no way you can give uh, an airtight definition. Sure. Let, let me just give a few of those. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. Points yep. um, number one, we, I think we have to say that, that marriage um, is between a man and a woman. And uh, that was ordained by God. Um, uh, marriage is uh, for God's glory. Uh, they, the man and the woman are, are told to be fruitful and to multiply. And a part of that is that they should fill the, the whole earth um, with the image of God. Because man and woman were created in God's image. Uh, and that, that's uh, taking God's glory out into the earth. We get another point right there that, that marriage is for procreation. Uh, and maybe maybe we get into this a little bit later, but um, I think that's what is inherently wrong with homosexuality is because it does not produce life that marriage is intended to produce. It it just it simply can't. Um, uh, marriage is also um, created and to um, be the, be this union between these two people who are um, different yet the same or, or like one another. Um, and uh, to to create something, uh, really, really, that's what it is to create, um, to create new life, to, to cultivate, to work, um, to to produce, um, and and ultimately, we see later on um, in the Bible that it it's to uh, show us really what the gospel is between uh, this picture of what we see between Christ and, and His church, between Christ and His bride. Mm-hmm. So that's good, Phil. Did you add anything to that? Yeah, uh, 
when the Lord created man, it said he created man and then he created him male and female. So we are one uh, kind of person, one kind that he created of all the kinds. And this kind was different than the other as it reflected his nature. And as far as the definition... What do you mean by that, Create reflected his nature? I know that's something we say regularly, but maybe right. somebody might hear that and go, okay. We're different than all the other animals uh-huh. in, in the fact that we're made in the image of God, and we bear characteristics of his. We bear a spiritual nature that is like his. So we, uh, we resemble him in a lot of different, different uh, ways, mm-hmm. uh, both... Emotionally, phys- uh, there's a there's a, a spiritual quality to us that's that resembles God. Yeah, physical. Those, when we're talking about God's son, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah. So all of those uh, uh, in 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 the in the Genesis account, it's even uh, I don't know uh, how God came up with this idea. He just thought he would do it. He took Adam's rib out of his side to make Eve. And so I think there's there's a parable about that, that uh, Eve is not some other creature uh, that's brought to him, but came out of man. And so that was the source. And when um, he describes their relationship, this is really a God's idea of a relationship. It wasn't invented by men. It wasn't just a, seemed like a good idea. It was man should not be alone, so he made someone to fit him. And it's interesting language there, uh, a helpmeet or someone who fits him in the right way. Uh, when you think about all the other creations, there, there's nobody that's made for man like woman because she came out of man. And, and he said that the two would become one flesh. And so... It's interesting that that's highlighted in their physical relationship is highlighted in the creative process of God that he thought ahead to not only make it reproduction, but he, there's also, I, I think many of us have been married for a long time. We understand that that becoming one is, is even much a, a spiritual thing as it is a physical thing. And I think God understood all of that. He even uses the, the illustration of music, uh, uh, sorry, of, of marriage. I've got music on the brain, I guess. Um, he uses the illustration of marriage to be a prophetic symbol of what the church is, Christ and his bride. So he's describing an intimacy uh, not just a physical intimacy, but a spiritual intimacy of these two beings mm-hmm. that are brought together. Yeah. Uh, that kind of segues well to the next question I have, James. If What makes uh, marriage unique to all the other relationships? Uh, I know Phil just kind of started down that road. And if you're, I, I threw you a curveball here. No, you weren't anticipating this question <clears throat> right now. I, I think that's a good question. I think what makes it unique is... Uh, still in Genesis, but also expanded upon later on in other scriptures. But in Genesis 2.24, um, God's word tells us, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's no other relationship uh, on earth whereby two people are described as becoming one flesh. Uh-huh. So, uh, and, and that's not just a physical, uh, that's not just a physical description um, I believe, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's 
it's talking to a picture of what it means to be the the marriage unit, so to speak, uh-huh. and and how God ultimately uses that as as Tyler pointed out for uh, many many things. Yeah. Um. You know, primarily uh, amongst other things, uh, to be fruitful and to uh-huh. multiply, which was the, one of the first things that God says. Uh, and I would add that God describes it as good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even even if just by taking the opposite of what he says for man to be alone is not good. Well, therefore, when he gave Adam Eve, gave the man the woman, then uh-huh. it therefore must have been good, right? God remedied uh, what he saw to be not good. Yeah, And I think that in and of itself, uh, I, I don't know of any other relationships uh, amongst two, two people that are described in that same light, that, yeah. that same uh, in that same fashion. For There's sure. another fascinating passage, I think that enlightens a little bit. That's in Malachi. I know you preached a couple of Sundays ago in Malachi, but in Malachi two fifteen, he says, uh, "Has not the Lord?" He's he's speaking in terms of God. How God hates divorce. It, mm-hmm. it breaks his design of this relationship. And he says in two fifteen, he says, "Has not God made them one?" Speaking of man and woman. Um, having a portion of the spirit and why one because he seeks godly offspring therefore guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth this is a spiritual relationship it's uh-huh. it's a covenant in fact he refers to that with that word a covenant in malachi between a man and a woman and we know what god thinks of covenants mm-hmm. they are powerful things and so it's described as a covenant and then also in a has a spiritual nature to it but for the purpose of having godly offspring when a man and a wife are together in the lord the result is children who love the lord and that's the way uh, god makes sons and daughters of his yeah through godly families absolutely I think that's an awesome baseline. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna change directions a little bit, so hopefully you'll be ready, because our desire is that people would know the biblical. Uh, what, what does the Bible say about marriage? But it's also a pastoral. One of the reasons we do this uh, podcast is is for a it's, it's from a pastoral role. That's what we all, at least the four of us around here. Um, yeah, it's both and. Uh, what I think the church misses the mark sometimes when it comes to marriage in that we idealize it. Uh, we, I don't want to say overemphasize it from a negative perspective, but do you think Tyler to be married means to be fully human? Uh, because I think sometimes that's the, the angle that we take when we talk about marriage so much in the church. Uh, what would you say to somebody who's not married, uh, and would like to be married or maybe somebody who's like, Man, we talk about this all the time in the church. Do I have to be married to be fully human? Because all these things that we've talked about are good and they're right and they're from the Bible. Um, so does that mean, is, is that what the Bible's teaching? Honestly, I, I think it's a, that one's a little bit tricky. Uh-huh. Um, because on the one hand, I want to take that person to 1 Corinthians 7 and say, you know what? Um, Paul really honors singleness. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus, in in his life here on earth, was was not married. You know, despite the conspiracy theories you may read, and you know, Da Vinci <laughs> yeah. Code or whatever. Um, and Jesus was fully human. Yeah, he was he was fully human. Yeah, it's like saying, um, well, to be to be sinful is human is to be human. 
and the full human experience is to be sinful. Well, no, it's not. You're right. It's actually less than human. Sin yeah. makes us less than less human. human. Yeah. There's another part of me that says, you know what? I think like God's design was that human beings should be married. And even looking at Jesus, like who is his bride? Like his his bride is the church. Uh-huh. And and in that way there is somewhat of a marriage and we're, you know, the thing is with that though is that we often, you know, that's his bride. Well, really it's his the bride the church is his fiance at the moment. Mm-hmm. That relationship is yet to be fully consummated. Yeah. We're still waiting for um, you know, the this marriage feast at the end yeah. of time. And so, um, I think it's perfectly within uh reason to, you know, to say, you know what? I, I'm just called not to be married. Like um, or to just say, I'm, I'm going to choose not to marry. Yeah. Paul says that you can actually um, do many great things for the Lord by by living out singleness. Yeah. Um, because you are not hindered in such a way that, that, that married people are. And marriage isn't a hindrance at all. It just means that you have um, certain responsibilities that people who are single don't have like I have a responsibility. All of us mm-hmm. have a responsibility um, to our wives and to care for them, and, and we entered into a covenant yeah. that we would care for them in sickness and in health. So we say no to other things. We say no to other things that we wouldn't because, have to say no right. to if we weren't married. Right. Absolutely so, agree. Um, young people, or you know, or single people, whatever, um, can much more easily go to the mission field. Paul did that. Yeah. Spent his whole life out on the mission field, just. Travel on the road. If he had a wife, that would have been much more difficult. Yeah. Peter did some traveling, mm-hmm. uh, but he was married. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it kind of seems like he's stuck around Jerusalem a bit more. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, yeah. you know. And so um, I don't I don't think we can say – that. that's a hard one. I'll have to think about that more um, because, in, in a way, Christ is married to the church. Um, God created that man and woman should be married to – to produce life, and then we see after the fall that marriage begins to become corrupted, mm-hmm. where um, things outside of God's design take place: divorce, um, people who uh, you know, uh, same-sex desires and homosexuality, uh, polygamy. That, that's one that we could talk about. That's real big in Genesis. You, know, you know, don't have to turn far after. Um, Genesis 3 yep. to see where marriage is really corrupted but we also see in Ephesians 5 where marriage is redeemed mm-hmm. but God can also redeem your singleness yeah um, Bible talks about um, redeeming the time mm-hmm. and and that's I think that's one way you can do it yeah. so would y'all add anything Phil I was just going back to Jesus words when his disciples talked about uh, discipleship and he says sometimes it's better not to uh, uh, they said, if this is the case between a man and a wife, it's better not to marry. And Jesus answered them, uh, well, to those whom this has been given. In other words, this is a gifting yeah. to be single. And he says some eunuchs are made that way by man and other, other ways. That, uh, but some are that way for the sake of the kingdom of God, he says. And the one mm-hmm. who has that should receive it. So there are some people that... God places and gives a gifting to remain single and, and accomplish great things for him like the Apostle Paul. Yeah. On your right. point, though, Scott, you know, you say in the church or just in our culture, 
we can have a tendency to overemphasize marriage, you know, and, and we can unnecessarily and improperly place burdens on people mm-hmm. that says, you know, um, you're not really a, a, a full Christian or a full member of this church or um, even fully human until you've experienced marriage. Like, no, you don't, you don't have to do that. Like you, some have been given that gift, you know, or, or maybe, uh, you know, we kind of have a cultural expectation that, if you're not married before you're 30 you're doing something wrong yeah you know like there's yeah. something wrong with you. that's not true yeah that's and i think we true. enhance that in the church sometimes I we mean, do and and that's unfortunate yeah I would, I would i would argue yeah the overemphasis or underemphasis on marriage because i would argue that there is a bit of an underemphasis on marriage particularly maybe not in the church but in culture yeah mm-hmm. i think those are driven a bit by culture and it's missing the point of marriage to begin with, uh, mm-hmm. to overemphasize and underemphasize. Sure. Often to overemphasize is to consider that marriage is for reasons that are, are uh, something different than what the Bible says. And then when they don't end up being that way, mm-hmm. you swing to the other side where marriage is underemphasized in the culture because it failed to meet the expectations of the society. Yeah. And I think we're experiencing that right now. When you look at marriage rates in the United States, relative to, say, 1965, where marriage the marriage rate was somewhere above 85%, depending on which data you look at, versus today, where, uh, you know, a lot of uh, studies show that we're, you know, somewhere around 55%. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that is a result of not understanding, in, in my view, what, what we're trying to talk about here, uh, that marriage is uh, for a greater purpose than what I think we often think about it. Yeah. And that was actually my next question. What's the purpose of it then? I think there are, are many to point to. The one that I like to point to um, that you can draw from scripture is that marriage provides a picture of something that we're going to see in heaven. Uh, this relationship between Jesus and his bride. And uh, oftentimes you don't go to Revelation to talk about marriage, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to Revelation to talk about other stuff, right? <laughs> um, but in Revelation 19, 6 through 9, and this is the day that I hope hope for. This is the day that I think about and I, I pray uh, to come and, and, to, and to realize. But it's, it's uh, you know, the day where those who are in Christ Jesus will get to experience and be witnesses to the marriage of, uh, uh, the, marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. And uh, so that's talking about something that's going to happen in the future, where you know this this consummation of of this marriage between you know the lamb and the bride um, yeah. will will uh, be something that we get to experience. Absolutely. And well, in, in verse nine of Revelation nineteen uh, says, and the angel said to me, write this: Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Marriage is a picture of something extremely beautiful that we're uh, that those who are in Jesus are going to get to experience. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you'd add to the purpose of marriage? I think it's a great learning experience. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> teaches us so much about God and about uh-huh. other people. It teaches sacrificial love. We we enter into a relationship we don't really even understand when it says God puts them together. Uh-huh. This is not just working up feelings for another person. This is a, this is a miracle yeah. of God's you uniting souls together and we don't even I don't think even understand how deep that is until it's torn and that's why the trauma of divorce is so so heartbreaking because it it, uh, 
it's really the rending of what God sewed together. And when God puts stuff together, he puts it together well. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's very hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, marriage definitely is sacrificial. You learn sacrificial love. I, I, I mean, I went into marriage completely selfish. What am I going to get out of this? And I mean, I probably wouldn't have said it like that at the time, but looking back. Sure you would have. Well, <laughs> did. Yeah. I didn't know you back then. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, I would have thought it, but I, I, you know, have a filter a little bit. Um, but man, you learn real quick. If this is going to be all about me, it is not going to work. Almost everyone does. Even in the church, I know you've counseled dozens and dozens of people and, and no man comes to you and, and when you ask them, why, why do you want to marry this person? And what they do say is because I love them. They're awesome. They're, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think they, they might say, you know, they're, uh, they're everything I want, uh, to, to help me become the man that God wants me to be. Hopefully that's what yeah, you hear, yeah. right? Uh, probably not as often yeah. as we'd like, but you don't hear them saying, because I really want to experience how it, how Christ felt on the cross <laughs> and to sacrifice that way, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I say that in, you know, to some degree in, in, with, with a bit of humor, but consider Ephesians 5, um, you know, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for uh, her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed uh, her by the washing of water with the word. You know, what did Christ, how did Christ sacrifice himself? On the cross. I mean, yeah. that, and that's the analogy that yeah. Paul's making there in Ephesians. And so, yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure most young men... Yeah. Don't say that to you. I know that's no. not what I was thinking. I used to do a questionnaire in premarital counseling, and one of the questions, I actually wish I still did it. I just lost the resource. But uh, it, it was, it would, the question was, every new thing that you found out about your fiancé was positive. And, and everybody over-idealizes it. And so they'll always put yes, like five, everything. And so they'll, I'll, I'll look at the uh, questionnaire, and then I'll say, so you, y'all both said five, like every single thing. And they'll say, yeah, that's right. And then I'll say, every single thing. Like never one negative thing has come out. Oh, no, every single thing I knew, knew I've learned about my spouse was positive. And then I'll say, he ain't that good. Like she ain't that good. Because you over-idealize it because you think it's a perfect person. Everything's going to be great and rosy and it's going to be good for me. And uh, we, we quickly squash that. Um, and now that I'm, you know, 15 years into this thing, I can set, step back and, and almost like a big brother go, yeah, it's not going to work out like that. Yeah. But that wasn't my take on it whenever I was first getting started. That's for sure. That's for real sure. I think him touching on, uh, James touching on that relationship between a man and a wife and, and those Ephesian commands are very significant. Uh, they fit the, uh, the nature of marriage. He's talking about the wife submitting herself to the husband and the husband loving his wife. There, this relationship of uh, that works is where there is this 100% giving toward the other person. It's as long as a marriage stays, you know, I'll do my part if you do yours. Mm-hmm. If it stays in that realm, yeah. just as like a dating relationship would be, you know, or, or even, you know, just a friendship sometimes, but... Yeah. Um, but as the way it works the best is when you are living 
for the other person to please his wife, as Paul uh, referenced in there. There's there's a responsibility to to consider, like you would in another relationship, of consider uh, another person's uh, welfare more than you consider your own. Yeah. And when that happens, when two people are living for the other person, it just it just uh, builds one another up. Yeah. You know, a couple. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing that gets tricky about marriage because we read those verses and and you know think of sacrifice or the verses before that submission and those are those can be bad words in our culture uh and, and yet we know that marriage is a thing that we all enjoy you know there there is joy in our marriage so it's not as though we're just going to marriage and oh you know, Ephesians says I'm going to sacrifice, so that's that's it. No, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's one. That's not what draws us in, as we made the point. And, and we do have this picture in the Song of Solomon of this of this passion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus and his love for his church, we can see, you know, there's, there is a zeal there um, and, and a love that is, that is driven by, uh, you know, emotional passion. And it's just like the other things that we tend to pervert that God gave us as gifts. You know, we just take it and we, mis, we misappropriate it in ways. Uh, but I think that the one of the joys that we can experience is if, if we can keep both. It's a both and, right? We, you can we can enjoy marriage. We can we can you know experience some of the things that we see written in the poetry of Sol, um, Song of Solomon. In, in my opinion, uh, while still understanding that there's this part of marriage too, mm-hmm. where there's there's sacrifice and there's there's submission and there's there's growth that's not always comfortable yeah. as the scripture um, describes. Yeah. It's uh, that's where it gets tricky, right? Because it's it's mind and heart, um, probably more so than any other relationship that you have with another human being. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think that book's about? Song of Songs. You think it's an analogy? You I think, think uh, I think that's a topic for another podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a fun podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we would, um, yeah. yeah. One one thing we we are going to close this up here in just a few minutes. But one thing I wanted I want to give y'all a chance to speak to, as as pastors, especially here at Wellspring, there are people who have been divorced, and we've talked about how that was not God's design. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear on that, and yet that's reality for some for many people uh, here and and in, in other churches who, who love Jesus. Um, what would you say to them? I'm sorry. That'd probably be the first thing. Like, uh-huh. what you've been through is, is you, you know, it's, it's not good. Like, it, there's a lot of suffering that goes through that. You know, so that would, that would be the first thing I'd say is just like, I'm sorry for what you've been through. Because uh-huh. what, you, what you experienced was the, the tearing apart of what God brought together. And, and God told man not, not to tear apart. Uh-huh. And it was torn apart. And I mean, you all have uh, been around longer than I have to see um, marriages fall apart and the pain and the suffering that that causes. So um, first, I would just say I'm sorry. Second is uh, there's still hope um, that that there is grace and redemption. Um, and, and then I don't know, I'd, I'd, I'd go from there. You know, it depends uh-huh. on the situation. But that'd be the first two things that I would say. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah I think this is one of those topics that really requires the church to be one in which people have relationships. Because we've been talking lately in light of uh, COVID-19 and, and how uh, churches are responding that, while we're thankful for technology, 
you can't substitute the relationships that, that a church are. A church is not just the sermon, mm-hmm. right? Um, a church is so much more than that. And it's within the context of these relationships that the, these types of conversations can be had because different situations are different. I can say that God's word does say that there, there is a, a, a place where broken marriages, you know, don't, should not lead to enslavement. Uh, now, you know, it would take a lot more time to unpack those verses. Uh-huh. Uh, but I would say uh, there is uh, a, a place for that type of conversation, a place for, for healing and, and understanding how to work through that. And that's why relationships in the body of Christ are so important uh, so that we can we can work through those as, as a, a family, a body of believers, and, mm-hmm. and not just, you know, in, in a cold way based on maybe what may be written in a book or uh, really even what you hear on a podcast, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's why, uh, again, being together as a church is so important. Yeah, I think that's good. Would you add anything, Phil? I just, you know, I was sitting in a restaurant the other day, which you can do at one place, I guess. <laughs> and looking over and there was a sign that said, Easy Divorce, you know, and gave the number there. And I thought, what... A terrible statement because it's never easy. Yeah, I mean it doesn't matter uh, what kind of shape the marriage is in. Really, uh, the heartache that's ahead involving children and their lives—that's the part that's not talked about a lot within marriages. Is this preserving godly offspring is part of God's plan is to is for men and women to stay together. But when when that does happen, and I've had it happen in my family, and and for various reasons, and it, and it matters the reasons why people come apart, if there's faith, unfaithfulness in the marriage, and of course the scriptures talk a lot about the reasons for that, but uh, but the Lord was very definite, uh, you know, that that uh, this, is, this is a very hard thing. But in the midst of all that, we need to offer healing. For people in their lives, we need to offer uh, ways of journeying through this new... A lot of people don't choose it that come to the church. Often people who choose it are not the ones that are coming to church. Mm-hmm. It's the people that are left behind, the abandoned, yeah. the the really the widowed, and then the orphaned oftentimes mm-hmm. if, if somebody just takes off from the family. And, and yeah, uh, right. we as a church need to come around those widowed people and become, you know, the Lord says he's the father to the fatherless, but we also have a responsibility in that too, to, to shepherd those people that, that need uh, that father figure that's gone, or, the, yeah. or even the mother in our culture. It's not just a one-way thing anymore. It's a lot of women are walking away from their families too. So. Yeah. I saw, well, a, uh, saw a meme recently. If you don't know what that is, uh, just go look it up. Uh, M-E-M-E, uh, meme. <laughs> Um, anyway, it, there's, a, there's a picture of a young guy proposing to, to this girl, and uh, his proposal was, uh, will you commit um, to being in my life for the next two to five years? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, unfortunately, that's kind of the, the view of marriage that is uh, becoming more commonplace. You know, it's not, um, it's, it's uh, maybe culturally advantageous uh, or... Um, financially advantageous, be, you know, uh, be able to file a joint tax return and different things. But 
it, it's so crazy. I've even heard um, uh, guys on on uh, like ESPN or uh, I forget what station he's on, but a guy on ESPN or Fox Sports who has a, um, a talk show about things that are going on in the sporting world mm-hmm. was giving people marriage advice. Like, if you're not happy with your marriage, just get out. Huh. Like, just, you know, <clears throat> uh, it's like... If somebody doesn't treat you right, you know, you, you yeah, need to be right. treated right. You know? Yeah. You do something If you're, if you're unhappy, get out. You're supposed to be happy. Yeah. Um, but the Bible does give such a different view of marriage. Mm-hmm. If it is for becoming more like Christ and experiencing the, the sacrificial suffering, but also the sacrificial love um, that, that, uh, that he experienced. And um, if we have a, a greater, more glorious view of what the purpose of marriage is for beyond just our own happiness and fulfillment, um, then... You know, marriage can really become a great thing, and, and we know here here at the church that this is probably something we get asked about most often, right? About marriage, and you know, seems like every time we have classes here at the church, we've got some kind of marriage class or something related to that, um, parenting, you know, some something related to that. The family, all, some yeah, way. family in some way. We're always talking about it. You know, you do a you do a sermon series. Um, on marriage, uh, there can be a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a uh, because all of us are looking for, you know, greater fulfillment and satisfaction in our marriage, and when we lend ourselves towards the Bible's view of marriage, um, even though it's going to be incredibly hard, and even though it's going to sanctify us and call us to to sacrificially die for for one another, um, the fulfillment and satisfaction we receive from that is so much greater than any any view of marriage that the world or any other religion has to offer. Yeah. That's good. You're right. You're right. Anything, any last, last uh, thoughts before we close this thing out? James? You know, like, I'll just come back to what I, I said uh, before, which is marriage is a, is a good thing. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like Tyler said, when we understand what it really is about, uh, it is it is in my mind one of the ways in which we worship our God uh, through through marriage so when we recognize that a marriage is so much more than just between uh, something between two people between a man and a woman but it actually involves our relationship with God himself uh, I think then we can truly appreciate how great a gift it really is mm-hmm. yeah Bill? I just have a lot of great examples. My, my parents, uh, I, some of the sweetest years of their la- of the last years of their lives were them going out and ministering together. And I, I got to see uh, them serve the Lord together. And that's a partnership in that that is just phenomenal. Uh, and, and the way they cared for each other, even when... They became very fragile, and uh, there's something about that covenant that just um, is an enduring thing. That the the longer you live together, the longer, the deeper you know each other, the, the more you finish e- each other's sentences. You know what they like to eat. You know everything about them, and it just grows deeper and deeper. And I, I think it's just 
an amazing invention of God. He could have created us any way he wanted to. He could have made us like amoebas and where we just pop, 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 you know, mm-hmm. divide. And, but he made marriage with all the intimacy and with all the, the conversations and, and then blessed with children to where you grow together as parents and you do something that you've, you've never done before. When you hold your first child... Mm-hmm. And, and you share that together. It's just a journey of a lifetime that is, that is inspired by God. It's just amazing. Tyler? Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say. Uh, I do want to point everyone toward a couple of, I think, accessible resources um, mm-hmm. on this topic. Uh, one would be a, a really short book. Uh, it's more of a, a biblical study. And based off the topic of this mm-hmm. podcast series, uh, I think it's a good one. It's called Marriage <clears throat> and the Mystery of the Gospel by Ray Orland. Mm-hmm. It's only 128 pages. Um, fantastic little book that really just goes through all of the relevant texts. Probably not all of them, but uh, the ones that are most relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, go pick up that book, get your Bible out, and just start working your way through it uh, bit by bit. You will be blessed um, by working your way through that book. Uh, another resource would be Tim Keller's uh, The Meaning of Marriage, another great one uh, for you. And uh, if you're looking for maybe a devotional to do with you and your spouse or even just by yourself, um, he and his wife, uh, Kathy Keller, have recently come out with a 365-day um, devotional um, uh, that, that just will help you and, and your spouse spend um, time together um, uh, in God's Word and... and uh, Focusing your minds and your hearts together um, in prayer and, and, and on God and His Word. And uh, I think you'll, I think you'd be blessed by uh, any, any three of those resources, though I'd recommend <laughs> picking them all up and uh, <laughs> utilizing them. So yeah, they're all good. I, yeah. I've gone through or at least looked at all three of those. So I would, I would concur. All righty. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Wellspring Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with uh, another topic. See you then.